You are now listening to The Shyest Podcast, when millions of opinions just aren't enough. the Dolphins on Thursday night football 27 to 15 and now it's time for the Pick'em Show. We're back. (laughs) It's the Pick'em Show. Finally feeling better from COVID. I'm joined again after a few weeks by my co-host, Kristen Ortiz. Say hi. Hi. How you feeling? I'm sleepy, but I'm improved for sure. Well, that's good. Yeah. I mean, you decided to get in the booth and uh, participate this week, so... Yeah, so hopefully not too many coughing attacks will interrupt this, or we may have to pause yeah, well, for a commercial break. That's true. I can always edit it out. Uh, so, all right, we'll get to it. Um, the Bengals beat the Dolphins 27-15. to 15. You, me, Ridley, we all picked the Bengals. Surprisingly, of the 25 people in my other Pick'em League, only four of us chose the Bengals. Interesting. Yeah, but then everybody in our small private group, uh, everybody picked the Bengals, which is also surprising. Um, I mean, obviously, the the big story coming out of that game is how the Tua Tagovailoa injury was handled, how his... Uh, what seemed like a very, very obvious concussion against the Bills on Sunday was handled, how he went through concussion protocol, the quote-unquote independent neurologist cleared him to go back into that game against the Bills, and, you know, had he taken a similar type of hit in the second half against the Bills and gone out, then I think it would have been more apparent, but... You know, the NFL has their concussion protocols, which are being brought into question. The NFLPA is launching their own investigation into exactly what happened in the handling of that situation. Um, Because it seemed like to everybody outside of Miami, he was very obviously concussed in that Bills game uh, after hitting his head. And, you know, I'm not a doctor, but... I've seen enough guys get knocked out over the course of 20 years to know what a knockout looks like and to see what someone being wobbled after taking a shot to the head looks like. And it just, it seemed pretty obvious. And, you know, okay, so the counterpoint is that a lot of people are saying, well, you know, the doctor said he was fine. You're not a doctor. So blah, blah, blah. Right. But then this happens on Thursday where he hits his head. And so... I guess my question is like, okay, you're right. I'm not a doctor, but let's say that this guy has 
uh, a back injury or a neck injury or whatever they said it was that's causing him issues with his motor functions. Like, I ha oh, he hurt his back or his spine potentially and he can't stand upright and he's falling over and he's dizzy and... His fingers. I mean, that, that was on Thursday, but I'm talking about oh, the... from Sunday. Yeah, I'm talking about the Sunday hit. Like, he takes the hit to the head, he gets up, kind of shakes his helmet, right? Because, obviously, you try to shake out the cobwebs when your back is hurting. Um, he, sh he shakes his head, and then he takes a couple steps and stumbles, and then as he runs to the huddle, he collapses again. Um, but my question, I guess, to the Miami staff and... Uh, the independent neurologist is if you were to have a potential spinal injury that is affecting your motor functions wouldn't that be a good reason to not put him back in the game regardless of whether or not it's a concussion it's like if it's a motor function issue and it's a spinal injury that's you know you're talking about okay maybe what paralysis at some point if you don't uh, take care of that so it just seems negligent to put him back in the game regardless everybody seemed to know that except for Miami and so on a short week traveling to Cincinnati he had three days rest and goes back out there and then he gets tackled and it's it's a play where he gets wrapped up around the waist and spun around and just the big guy on his waist whipping him around whips his head into the ground and you know it was horrible to see him laid out there frozen um you know they showed again a motor function issue with his hands being locked up and very obvious signs of brain trauma so you know i know a lot of people are basically saying like you're not a doctor you don't know what you're talking about but there is an abundant amount of research on cte and tbi out there and even without examining him he's showing a lot of the signs of brain trauma well and not only that too like the fact that it was only three or four days later the hit didn't look nearly as bad as most other hits we've seen so for a minor hit like that to cause that reaction i'm not a doctor i'm fully aware of that that's a terrible sign one of the things that i have read about in uh, tbi and cte research is that uh, subsequent hits to the head are the worst when you already have uh, suffered a concussion. So if you look at something like boxing history, right, about a dozen boxers die a year in boxing. One just passed away today, I think, or yesterday, I just read, right? I don't know if it was CTE related, but in general, the reason that boxers die from it is because... In that sport, you'll get hit with a shot that gives you a concussion, uh, but then you get a 10 count, you get back up, and then you're concussed while you're taking more concussions. And so that leads to really bad brain trauma. I think even though, in general, mixed martial arts looks more violent with the way people get knocked out, the referee is there to instantly stop the fight, so you don't take as much follow-up damage. Um, but yeah, those, I mean, regardless, like, fighters have to deal with that and the NFL, you know, it's hard for me to believe that they actually care about concussions and brain health. 
because, you know, they had a lawsuit brought against them by the Players Association years ago that led them to install the concussion protocols that we have now. But had that lawsuit never happened, had the publicity of it never been a stain on the brand, I don't even think that they would have put the concussion stuff in place at all. Um, and so this is this is an especially bad moment for brain health um, in the NFL, not just on a team level, but on a league level, because in hindsight, it's very easy to say that like Tua should not have played. Um, and for it to happen on Thursday night in primetime when it's the only game on like when it happened on Sunday you know only like Dolphins fans Bills fans and then people that were very invested in that particular game saw what happened but on Thursday like every football fan is watching that game and so to see him get carted off the field and lay motionless on the ground for 10 minutes and then for him to go to the hospital and then get cleared to fly home with the team which you know, again, I'm not a doctor, but in what I've read, flying is not good when you have a concussion. And then his coach is like, yeah, we watched a movie on his phone on the way home. Screen time also not good, according to concussion research. So, I mean, it's just a sad situation. Um, you know, and I did watch Mike McDaniel interview and he seemed emotional uh, after, I think it was yesterday when I saw his uh, subsequent interview like I think when he started to realize the severity of it because when it happened on Thursday he's like well I'm glad that you know it wasn't anything worse than a concussion but that's like downplaying the severity of what traumatic brain injury does and it's like okay great he went through an x-ray and he doesn't have anything broken in his neck or anything but like realistically most people watching didn't think that he broke his neck or his back we were all looking at the concussion stuff. So for the hospital to send him home and clear him, like he did, he, they did say that he had a concussion, but he didn't get an MRI, which isn't gonna sh really show the concussion stuff anyway. But to, to put him on a plane and then to have him uh, like watching his phone on the plane, I get it, like he's an adult and you know, I, I just, he's gotta have a team around him that's like, hey, you probably shouldn't be watching, you know, your phone you probably shouldn't be flying tonight yeah who's who's responsible for looking out for his care yeah i don't know but it doesn't seem like it's the dolphins um so it's just a it's not a great look for the nfl at all and if you're any player on any team at this point i would be concerned and we'll get into it when we talk about the bills game but coming up you know we saw what happened to micah hyde with his like neck injury that didn't look that bad when it happened against the titans but he's done for the season and you know what micah like i just hope you get better man I'm, i don't want him to rush back out there um it was his agent that said he's done for the year so my guess is that they looked at it like it's not worth it like maybe he could play but the you know the risk is too high and i totally understand that but then to see that dane jackson who took the really nasty hit and had his neck folded back and then Ryan Bates, who left the Miami game with a concussion, got cleared from protocol and is supposed to be playing this weekend. 
you know what? As a Bills fan, I'm okay with both of these guys not playing. If they take a loss to the Ravens because those guys aren't in the game, so be it. You know, they're 2-2 two and two and they got a long road ahead of them, but I'd rather not <clears throat> see one of those guys get uh, really badly hurt uh, and have a flashback of what we just saw on Thursday happen all over again. And with something like um, combat sports, the athletic commissions will medically suspend you uh, when you suffer from a head injury. Or at least in the case of combat sports, knockouts. You're medically suspended, I think, for 30 days, no contact. So that means in practice, no sparring, no contact to the head. Because at least the athletic commissions of that sport understand that there has to be a minimum amount of time. And what I will say is that in my 20 years plus of watching combat sports at this point, the fighters who suffer knockouts and get back in the ring and fight within six months, almost always get brutally knocked out again. And then it's all of a sudden like, okay, well now you're just getting knocked out over and over and over again. And you see these guys that went from being, you know, nearly invincible guys that were the champion that get knocked out. And then all of a sudden they lose like four knockouts in a row because they don't take the time off to heal. And we saw in one of the title fights recently, the champion uh, was winning on his way to retaining his belt. And at the last second, he got kicked in the head and brutally knocked out. And the promoter of this company said that uh, he's fine. You know, he, he'll get his rematch in six months. And realistically, after taking that kind of a shot where he got kicked in the head and then had the same kind of whiplash that Tua had where his head snapped into the canvas that's a bad knockout and he shouldn't be fighting again in six months and uh i know uh i made a friend on twitter who is a combat sports attorney uh in canada and who also is heavily invested in concussion education and so i wanted to bring this to his attention uh in terms of the nfl stuff but him and i have talked about concussions uh, at length so yes i'm not an expert uh, i'm not a doctor he's not a doctor but he has done the research and uh, put together some interesting stuff so i feel bad for tua ultimately i hope he is okay for his life um if he gets to play football again at some point, um, I would be happy for him if the, if he's healthy. And the strange thing is that watching that game before the injury, I talked to you at length about how well he was playing. You know, I hadn't, even in the Bills game, uh, their offense wasn't on the field that much and the Bills defense is really good. So like, I didn't really have a chance uh, in any of the games this season to just like focus in on his play, but I was really impressed by all of the things he does well, like how good his vision is and how good his timing is. Um, so I was just really impressed with how he was playing in that game up until the point he got hurt. And so it was especially sad to, to see it happen that way. I hope he's all right. I know there was a lot of back and forth over the last like couple of weeks between Bills and Dolphins fans. And, uh, you know, I don't wish this on Tua at all. And it's a bummer. 
the Bengals did what they were supposed to do and won that game. I, I mean, I picked the Bengals anyway, and they went down the field on the first drive. And, you know, I wouldn't say they were dominating, but their first drive was dominant. And uh, they were up 14 to 12 at the half. But as soon as, you know, Tua got hurt, the game kind of paused. And it was, it was bigger than football at that point. And to his credit, Teddy Bridgewater came in and played pretty well. Uh, he's he's going to have some stuff to learn, and I think he threw a bad pick uh, later in this game as they were trying to come back and stay in it. Uh, yes, they were down five, and he threw a pick late in the game, and Cincinnati capitalized with a touchdown off that interception. So... You know, I picked the Bengals. I picked the Bengals to cover by four. I picked the under at 48. So I hit all those, and I actually had the Bengals winning 26-20 in this game. And, you know, 27-15 is really not that far off. Uh, and if Tua plays, it's, it finishes that game. It's probably a, a closer game. And my main reason was just that was a war of attrition between the Bills and the Dolphins on Sunday. And... The, the level of physicality in that game, the level of exhaustion in that game, plus all the guys popping up on the injury report was just a lot to overcome on a few days rest with one real practice and then traveling to Cincinnati against a Bengals team who finally got their first win. And I also thought that just because the Dolphins beat the Bills, like that was the more important game. Them winning that game gives them a leg up in the division. So it didn't even matter if they beat Cincinnati. They would still be in first place in the AFC East. So I think just, you know, they were going to compete regardless. And I think they still did even with Tua going down. And their Dolphins, uh, excuse me, their Dolphins. <laughs> the Miami Dolphins. Um, their defense, you know, played fairly well, to be honest. Uh, they didn't sack Joe Burrow as much as some of these other teams and that's one of the things I pointed to in the preview is that the Dolphins in general uh, don't have a very good pressure rate so despite sacking Allen four times last week I didn't think the Dolphins were a team that was going to be able to sack Burrow uh, a ton and they only ended up with a sack and two tackles for losses so they weren't really getting into the backfield all that much and I also said that the Dolphins are not the kind of or excuse me the Bengals are not the kind of team to give up on the run, even when it's not working, because they've only been averaging three in the quarter, three and three point three yards a carry, something like that. So their offense functions around their ability to continue handing the ball off. And Mixon got twenty four carries. They had thirty carries as a team for only sixty seven yards, but. That keeps the defense honest. It allowed Joe Burrow to go 20 for 31 for 287 and two touchdowns. Uh, the Miami defense did a good job of kind of just keeping everything in check and not letting the game get away from them. Melvin Ingram played a pretty good game himself after becoming the AFC Defensive Player of the Month. So they, they played well, but the Bengals were prepared, and I think they were just a little more prepared in this game, and they took advantage of all the things that I thought they were going to take advantage of. Um, Raheem Mostert actually played a pretty solid game, but when they got stuck playing from behind, 
they didn't really have much of a choice. I mean, Tyreek Hill had 10 catches for 160. Just keeping him out of the end zone was a win there. But Jalen Waddle was in check. So these teams are maybe starting to figure out how to at least limit one of these guys at a time. Because last week it was Waddle and not Hill that had the big week against the Bills. So it's going to be interesting to see down the stretch here. But I feel like I pegged this game pretty much dead on. The only thing I didn't get right was the final score. Well, that's the Thursday game, so. What are you for? What? Is it recording? It's recording. Yeah. That's it. Uh, so, all right, we're going. We're going to the rest of the games. All right. So, what do we got? What's the first game on deck? It is the London game. Ugh. Vikings at Saints. <clears throat> Six thirty a.m. start in that one. And you know what? I'm in that weird zone where I cannot get the Vikings games right anymore. <laughs> where I picked them correctly in week one, and then incorrectly in week two, and then incorrect, incorrectly in week three. So this is going to be uh, a week where I think I get it wrong again. But just glancing at the injury report, uh, Dalvin Cook came off of it. So he's listed as healthy, even though he's got the shoulder injury. So he won't play the whole game? No, he probably will, but they'll be more inclined to share his workload a little bit with Madison. But it looks like Michael Thomas is out. Uh, Andres Pete is out. Marcus May is out. Landry's questionable. Kamara's questionable. So, I mean, you got one of your best linemen missing, your top receiver out. So... This is a good moment for Olave. I'm going to have to look up how to properly pronounce his name. Olave? Olave. I'm guessing it's Olave. I think Olave sounds better. It does. <laughs> Maybe it isn't, but... <clears throat> I think that's right. I think that's what they were saying on the broadcast. All right. Well... We'll see. He had a, He had a monster game last week, uh, and he's in a good position to go ahead and do that again especially if Landry and Michael Thomas are both out and speaking of spinal injuries uh, like Jameis Winston is playing with some broken bones in his back but it's I'm guessing it's his lower back and there's supposedly no risk of him injuring these uh, fractures any further how is that possible that's a good question um I don't know, but you've got to imagine that it's still painful, and sometimes when he's out there playing, it looks like he's in pain, and the Saints went out and signed Andy Dalton for a reason, and I think Dalton actually could step in and fill in pretty well for this team. I don't know that Jameis Winston is significantly better than Andy Dalton, especially playing with the back injury, but if you look at their careers, I think... Career-wise, they'd line up pretty closely. Uh, I don't know if Jameis has ever led a team to the playoffs. I know Andy Dalton's done it on a couple of occasions. Um, but this is like the third or fourth team for Dalton in the last few years. He played for the Cowboys. He played for the Bears. Is this a temporary signing? Yeah, similar to like what Mitch Trubisky was doing for the Bills last year. But, you know, Dalton's a little bit older here. Just looking at the injuries here, it's not really great for the Saints, to be honest. Um, it's a lot of big injuries. Winston's doubtful, so Andy Dalton looks like he probably will play. You may see some Taysom Hill as well. Kamara questionable. Thomas out. Landry questionable. Pete out. Starting safety, Marcus May is out. 
that's just a lot of key ingredients missing. So it's tough to say that they're in a position where they're gonna be ready to go and like I don't even think the Vikings are all that good to be honest after what I've seen but they came back and they won they're healthier and only Zadarius Smith is questionable in terms of their key starters so I'm probably leaning towards the Vikings in this game they are what are they favored they are favored uh, yeah, they're minus three on the road in the London game. 41 and a half. I'd probably go under on that. I mean, you know, I hope it's entertaining, but am I going to get up at 6.30 a.m. tomorrow to watch that? I don't know. It may be the only game since we're going to lunch that I get to watch the whole game. So, But there's a couple that I think I want to record and come back and watch because there's some interesting ones. And then I can just watch it and fast forward anyway. So... Uh, I'm going to go Vikings, even though we've already established that I'm always wrong. Not always. I was right in week one, but last year it was every other week. They win, and I'm like, they look great. I'm going to take them this week. They lose. So I'll, I will say that they didn't look great last week. They managed to come back from double digits, I think, in the fourth quarter and win. So they looked good in that they did that. But it was more that the Lions made like a couple of key mistakes. And, you know, credit to the Vikings for capitalizing on that. But they were getting beat the whole way by the Lions. So if they played the Lions again at full strength, I would still probably take the Lions. And I was happy to get the Lions to cover that six points or whatever it was. So I'm perfectly happy with that. Do you have any thoughts on the Vikings? I mean, I still like to root for the Vikings. So I want to say that they can win this one. I don't feel like I've watched enough of the Saints to really get a good feel in having Thomas and possibly Landry out. I don't know. So I'm going to probably go Vikings. Yeah, I would say just that they struggled with Carolina last week, which to me is probably not a good sign for them, considering what I had seen from Carolina at that point. They almost came back and tied it, but they shouldn't have been in as big of a hole as they were. But for some reason, Carolina just... They give Jameis a lot of headaches in general, so it is what it is. Rids picks. Rids is going with the Saints. All right, what's the next game on deck? Browns at Falcons. Browns at the Falcons. I like what I saw from the Falcons in general in the Seattle game and what I've seen from them throughout a lot of the season, to be honest. They've not been amazing, but... They've competed in every game. They score points in every game. Uh, Marcus Mariota has played pretty well. They, you know, they're scoring 26.7 a game, 26.7 a game. The problem is they're giving up 27 a game, and they're giving up about 400 yards of offense. So they they just kind of find themselves in a position where. They're going to have to outscore their opponent in order to win. And they were able to do that against Seattle in the last one. And that was kind of back and forth the entire time until they took the lead 27-23. Geno Smith throws an interception at the end of that game, and that's how it gets sealed. So their defense actually did win them a game. They moved to 1-2 and two off of that. They're, they're actually one-point underdogs at home, which is a little surprising. I know that Clowney's questionable. I know that Miles Garrett is out because he got into that car accident. So the Browns defense isn't going to be 
what it, um, I mean, it hasn't been what it was advertised to be all season long, even with those guys. So now you're missing maybe two of your best defensive players. Uh, Taven Bryan is out at defensive tackle as well. So their defensive line is chewed up. And the Falcons have managed to run the ball fairly well. And having Mariota as a mobile quarterback has added to that. They still bring Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt to town. And that's really, I mean, the team goes as they go. This is a game that the Browns should win. But it's interesting to see that they're only favored by a point here. Over under of 47 and a half. Cordell Patterson has 50 carry, 49 carries on the year for 300 yards. So that's what, six yards a carry? That's pretty good. Only two touchdowns. Mariota's got three touchdowns and three picks. Brissett, not, he's got way more completions and attempts, but fewer yards. So I think what I like about Atlanta is with London and Pitts uh, and. Zacchaeus they they have an interesting offense that has some big strike capability uh, London's got 16 catches for 200 yards and two touchdowns over three games so not bad I mean it's more of like a two game sample size but it's right there in line with uh, what Amari Cooper's done this season you know Nick Chubb's got 341 yards on the ground and four touchdowns but he's done it on significantly more carries than Patterson so Patterson is still super super dangerous even though the whole the reason I didn't take him in any drafts is because the whole narrative coming out of camp was that they're gonna lighten his load he's gonna touch the ball less because they don't want him to be a workhorse back they don't want him to get run down because he's in his 30s but looks like they're they figured out that uh this is a stupid idea we need him to win Cleveland's only barely favored in this game even in the ESPN matchup predictor they're 52 percent so there's a lot of games like this that are close. This is, I think this is the only one-point spread that we have this week. But there are a lot of games that are three and a half or less. I think after we've seen the last two weeks, none of the odds makers really wanted to sell out on heavy, heavy favorites in any direction with anybody. My gut still says the Browns just run the ball and find a way to win. And Mariota maybe has a fumble or an interception that is costly to them. It's them giving up 109 yards on the ground every game that's the most concerning thing because Cleveland is definitely going to lean on that run game. And with their defense being wounded, you know, they're probably in a position to try and run that clock a little bit more. Don't let Atlanta have a lot of possessions. Force them to make their possessions count. I wouldn't be upset to see the Falcons win this game, to be honest, but I, I can't take them yet. They've, they've burned me so many times in the past, and I do like that they're a young team. I like Arthur Smith as the coach. I like I like kind of their identity, but aside from that, I'm not ready to pick them over Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt yet. How about you? Yeah, I would have to agree. I mean, I haven't seen much of the Falcons blow me away, so... But Fair enough. Same with Browns, too, off and on, so I don't know. This one's a coin toss for sure. Rids picks. She's still loyal to the Falcons. Rids is going with Atlanta. Okay, who's next? What's the next game? Commanders at Cowboys. Oh, the Commanders. <laughs> oh, the Commanders. I'm still not liking that name. <sighs> no, nah, it sucks. Um, we'll see if they, they decide to change it. 
at this point, like, they should have just stayed Washington football team. I think it was unique to them. I liked that they kind of didn't have a mascot, and it was just the football team. I mean, because here in L.A., we have the Los Angeles Football Club, which is just uh, the soccer team, LAFC, and that's it, you know? And it's fine. People love it. The fans of that team are hardcore, so... Washington should have stayed with that. Um, but anyway, I don't trust Carson Wentz at all. Uh, my, I know, like, if you look at his numbers on paper, his numbers aren't bad. And people are like, he's not the reason that they're losing, but he's the reason that they're not winning. You know, he's got seven touchdowns and three picks on the season. And it's like, okay, he had a good game against uh, Detroit a couple weeks ago. And it's like, sure, he did, but they're down 22 nothing at halftime. So it's like, oh, great, he got to throw the ball, you know, as much as he wanted in the second half because they're getting their asses kicked. And then it looks like he has a good game when realistically it's like, no, you couldn't do anything with the offense, which is why you're down 22-0 at the half. That's you, buddy. So it's like he's not uh, horrible, but... He's he's not the guy, right? I mean, maybe he's a slight upgrade over Heineke, but he's not the guy that's going to take this team to the next level, and they're finding that out the hard way. Um, this is a this is technically a winnable game for them, but the Dallas defense has showed that they're going to basically put this team on their back and make every game competitive. And if you want an example of why the Washington offense is like just completely mediocre, Ezekiel Elliott, is he having a good season? Probably by most people's metrics, you would say no. Uh, but he's got more uh, yardage on the same amount of carries than Gibson. So he's running for more yards than Washington's running back. And then you look at Noah Brown, who he's a rookie for this Dallas offense, and he's their leading receiver with 15 catches for 213 and a touchdown. He's got more catches than Terry McLaurin, just about the same amount of yards and the same touchdowns. So, I mean, to think that, like, inserting Carson Wentz into this offense and, like, elevating Curtis Samuel and, like, thinking the passing game is going to start clicking and to see the kind of, like, offensive production that they actually have is not really all that impressive. And when it comes down to, like, which quarterback is not going to make the panicky, stupid decision under pressure. From what I've seen from Cooper Rush, that's my favorite thing about him. He's very poised, very calm, and he's not going to put the ball in his left hand and try and throw that shit behind his back or, you know, he's not going to try to make some crazy play. Carson Wentz will do that, and it will cost them at some point in this game. I don't know exactly how it's weird to favor the cowboys like i know that they've they've come away with two wins based on the defense and cooper rush just coming out here and playing well and they're only allowing 17 points a game as opposed to 27 uh for the commanders so it's like yeah the commander's defense is definitely a problem it puts them in the hole all the time it forces their offense to have to play like a hero style of football and they don't run the ball well enough to really uh control the clock and put the pressure on opponents like they're not even averaging 100 uh, rushing yards a game so i don't know i can't in good conscience keep thinking that you know wentz is eventually just gonna like get it together i mean this is the same shit he was doing in philadelphia the same shit he was doing in indy and it's like yeah he had a good statistical season in indy last year but 
the kind he only had a few turnovers i think he had seven picks but they were all like horrendous interceptions it wasn't like oh this is a, a tipped ball where it probably should have been caught it's like no this is a horrible decision into triple coverage or he puts the ball in his left hand in the end zone and throws it and it gets pick six um those kind of plays and then he fumbled a bunch too um so i think he had maybe like 10 turnovers on the season so it's like you look at he's got 800 something yards seven touchdowns three picks over three games it's not looking that terrible but i, I it's hard to trust and if i ha if it just comes down to like which quarterback is not going to make the mistake i'll take cooper rush to not make the mistake you yeah i mean i have a hard time saying oh yeah i'm confident in washington pulling this out <laughs> yeah the biggest issues for dallas is that dalton schultz is out but they handled that last week i'm sorry he's not out he's questionable and then connor mcgovern's questionable as well on the o-line i think j ron curse is questionable who was out last week too so it looks like they're actually probably getting some guys back as opposed to uh, Washington. I don't know, like, if Chase Young plays, maybe the Washington defense finally becomes... Now, Chase Young is still out, uh, and their center, Wes Schweitzer, is out too. So, right in the middle of their offensive line against that Dallas defensive pressure, nah, that's going to be tough. And, like, you saw what happened to the Giants. I think the Giants are a much better running team than Washington, and they were in that game with Dallas, and it was competitive. But now you take out the center, or you take out the quarterback of the offensive line in Schweitzer, and your left tackle, Leno, is also questionable. So um, Dallas is definitely going to key in on that. And, you know, this is, this is realistically a winnable game for Washington because I think Washington playing at their best is fairly solid. But I don't know what their best even looks like at this point, but they definitely have talent. Uh, for the time being, though, I think I'm just going to go Dallas based on the defense. And this is a division game, so I think that they're going to get to Wentz and make him make the mistake that makes the difference in this game. Cowboys are favored by three, which is kind of kind of big here with the way that they don't generally score points. Minus 160 favorites, over under 41 and a half. That's tough. I'll probably... Ugh probably take the under on that and i don't know i might even take the commanders to cover but I, that's just hedging my bets at that point rids picks rids is going with the boys okay what's the next game uh seahawks at lions interesting game the lions are very banged up right now they're still favored by three and a half but Amon Ross St. Brown is out. DeAndre Swift is out. Jonah Jackson's out. Their place kicker, Austin Siebert, is out. Chark is questionable. Josh Reynolds is questionable. Uh, that's, that's just a lot of concerning injuries for this team. Jason Cabinda, their fullback, is out. So you're missing your stud running back. Jamal Williams is a very good... Uh, number two guy so I think their run game is probably still mostly okay it's the Amon Ross St. Brown injury that is going to be the most troublesome for them it looks like Hawkinson is not questionable anymore so I may have to roll him out there in fantasy and hope uh, chart questionable Reynolds questionable 
their rookie is still out. And then beyond that, it's Khalif Raymond and uh, Quintez Cephas. So it's going to be really interesting to see uh, what their offensive identity looks like without those guys. And their kicker is out. So they brought in Dominic uh, Everly. But as we've seen with some of these other kind of fill-in kickers, it changes how you approach certain situations. And we've seen some missed field goals, too. So I think the Lions' defense is still better than the Seahawks, at least in the fact that they get pressure. They... Uh, they get after the quarterback. They shut down the run. The Seahawks are pretty healthy, though. So if there's a game that the Seahawks are going to be able to to steal, this one sounds like one that could be it just because the Lions have uh, all their issues. It's like and if you look at their statistical leaders, they're, they're leading running back and their leading receiver out. And then they got a lot of guys questionable around that. Seahawks might definitely be able to steal this one over under a 48. I'll probably take the under because the Lions offense may not be as effective as it was, but they're giving up 31 points a game. So I know I said they have a good defense, but like, you know, they played the Eagles in a really high scoring game. Then they basically coasted in the second half against the Washington team that they allowed to get back in it and gave up 27 or something in that game. And then they were up in the fourth quarter against a Vikings team that only had, I think, 17, 14 or something in the fourth quarter and then scored a pair of touchdowns and won the game. So their defense is good, but it seems like it has trouble being good for the entirety of four quarters. I think the Seahawks identity, though, like they're a running team, but they have any they're averaging 75 rushing yards a game. So... Detroit's outrushing them by 100 yards a game, and they're outpassing them. Their defenses are honestly comparable in terms of yardage given up. And even the points per game, Seattle gives up 23 points a game. So if I have to look at just offenses, I have to side with Detroit, even though they're injured. I think it'll be a little bit more comparable. Probably take Seattle to cover three and a half, and this comes down to being like a field goal game or something like that. Seattle just doesn't score, you know? Like, that's it's hard to pick a team that really has struggled to score all season. I mean, they scored 17 in the first game, but it seems like they took out every play in the playbook to, to get there. And then they scored a defensive touchdown, so they went six quarters without scoring an offensive point. And then they scored 23 against an Atlanta team that gives up a ton of points to everybody. I don't know. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see Seattle get a win. I think Detroit is honestly the better team right now. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I would like to see Seattle get a win, and <clears throat> I need Metcalf to have a big day. Yeah, but. well, it's interesting that he was basically like shit-talking Jeff Okuda on the Lions saying, oh, their cornerback is not that good. He's, he said he's not impressed by him. or That might be paraphrasing, but usually... When there's that kind of talk, the guy who is on the receiving end of the talk comes out and buries the other guy. So yeah, I don't want to hear that. Well, it's like you just add more pressure on yourself to be like, oh, the guy who's guarding me, like I'm not impressed by him. So, okay, well, what's your excuse if you come out here and don't play well then? You know, so there's more pressure on Metcalf to perform. He finally like had a more Metcalf-like game 
last week, so he started to look more like himself. Seattle finally scored some offensive points, so even though they are a run-first kind of team, they have to take advantage of like what's on the field, right? And they have to be willing to throw the ball at least a little bit more than they currently are because their run game is not working. Yep. Much to my chagrin is I have Penny in one league and I think I have Walker in another. But Kenneth Walker looks good when he gets the ball, so we'll be curious to see if they give him the keys to the offense here anytime soon just because he is much better in space than Penny, and Penny just, I don't know, their offensive line is not good enough to to dominate the way that they would like. They want to play like the Browns, basically, and give Penny the ball 20 times and let him be Nick Chubb and then come in and hit him with Walker and have a big play out of the backfield like they do with Kareem Hunt. So it's like that's what they're trying to do, but their offensive line is not nearly as good as Cleveland's. But I guess, yeah, that's it. I, you know, I'm, I've got to take the Lions here until further notice. But the injuries are concerning. I still think their run game is better. It's just going to be if they have no receivers, can they win this game? Can their defense hold up enough to give them a chance? I think probably. Aiden Hutchinson is a problem. And we already know the Seattle O-line is not that good. So, I don't know. Anything else? Nope. Okay. Rids picks. Rids is taken Detroit. Okay, so what is the next game on deck then? Titans at Colts. Oh, the one and two Titans at the one, one and one Colts. Colts are favored by three and a half, surprisingly. I mean, I get it. They just beat the Chiefs. But they haven't looked good all season. They didn't even really look that good in the Chiefs game, to be honest. Their defense looked better. Um, but, you know, it's the AFC South is still very much up for grabs the Jags lead at two and one surprisingly so good for the Jags uh Tennessee being favored excuse me Indianapolis being favored 60 40 split on the ESPN report I don't see anything alarming on any of the injury reports I mean Julian Blackman's out on the Colts back end DeForest Buckner's questionable that's not good Pittman's back and healthy that helps the Colts a lot. Obviously, their their team gets better when he's on the field. So really, all their injuries are on defense. Shaquille Leonard's still questionable. Buckner's still questionable. And at 0-1-1, they kind of had to sell out to beat the Chiefs. Like They had to win that game or else their season is essentially done at that point. The Titans kind of ended up the same way against the Raiders where you know they're 0-2. They have to win in order to keep their season alive, and they do. They're mostly healthy. Kyle Phillips is out. Uh, or he's, Sorry, he's questionable. And Zach Cunningham and Amani Hooker out on defense. So they're not that bad off. Their defense isn't even that good, though. I don't know. This is a weird game. I don't like it. I don't like it. This is a game with a three-and-a-half-point spread. I think that's probably too much. I think these teams are more similar than they are dissimilar. They both want to run the ball. They both want to hit play action. They both have kind of like above average quarterbacks. What you don't like to see from Tennessee is that they've given up 145 rushing yards a game. And so Jonathan Taylor is over there licking his lips, getting a chance to play against this defense. And they're giving up 28 points a game as well and scoring 17. So they score more, but they also give up more. I don't know. This is an ugly game. I do not like it at all. What about you? Yeah, I'm not confident. 
<clears throat> I thought Taylor was going to be out, but he's not. Uh, oh, with the toe injury? Yeah. I know. I mean, yeah, he's not he's not out yet, but if he gets like really bad turf toe, that takes a while to heal, and uh, that could keep him out for a while. They still, you know, if he's got an injury that he's dealing with, he still may not be 100%. The Colts are definitely putting up more yardage, but they play from behind a lot, too, so... I mean, it's a marquee matchup between, you know, two of the elite running backs in the game. It seems like Tennessee finally, even though Henry didn't go crazy last week, they finally gave him the ball enough to make a difference. And they still almost lost that game. Well, they still almost ended up in overtime yeah. in that game, even though they were up 24-10 at half. Uh, this is a game where I think Henry had 20-something. He had 20 exactly, 85 yards, so a little bit better than four yards a carry and a touchdown. Not bad. Uh, not quite workhorse level yet, but he typically like starts getting it going the more times you give him the ball. So figure they probably want to give him at least 20 carries a game. He also had five catches for 58 yards, so that's really, you know, where he got it. He put up 140-something all-purpose yards. Had a good fantasy day, especially if you play PPR. So it's going to be interesting to see if they decide to keep doing that, because the Colts' rushing defense isn't giving up that much, so they're going to attack each other's identity, right? Uh... I like the Colts' overall set of receiving weapons slightly more. So if it comes down to passing, I don't know what to do. Tannehill's definitely more mobile than Matt Ryan. I don't know. I'm leaning Titans in this one. Because aside from, you know, a last-minute win against the Chiefs in a game that they were losing basically all week, I haven't really liked what I've seen from either of these teams. And it's it's we're kind of at the point in the season where being 1-2, and two, a lot of people are like forgetting that the Titans were the number one seed in the AFC last year. And they did that without a lot of their best players. So I think there is room for them to still play well. And I think they beat the Colts both times last year. Pretty sure. So, I don't know. Uh, Titans in an upset. I, three and a half seems like too much in this kind of game. Division rivals, neither of them is particularly good. Over under 43 with two like mid-level defenses. Uh, I'll take the over there. Anything else? Nope. I think it's another coin toss. I don't know. The last couple of weeks have been so weird. It's yeah. Because of that, you see games like this where it's like, okay, well the Colts are at the Colts are at home and they have they beat a better team. Like quality of competition wise, yeah, the Colts have a win over the Chiefs and the Titans have their only win over an 0 and 3 team. So. You know, if I follow that trend, then the Colts probably win this game. But they tied with a team that barely scores at all in Houston. So it's arguable that Houston's the worst team in the league and the Colts played them to a tie. And who was the Colts' second game against? It was Jacksonville. They got pounded 24-0. Jacksonville's pretty good, though. So, I mean, the Titans played the Giants and lost by a point. Giants are pretty good, though. They played the Bills. And the Bills mop decks with them. But the Bills are very good. And then they beat the 0-3 Raiders. So actually, as I look at the totality of competition, I think it's actually pretty even. In terms of uh, just overall uh, strength of schedule. 
because they both played a couple of uh, overachieving surprise teams in the Giants and the Jags. They both played a bad team in Houston and the Raiders, and they both played a good team as 2-1 and one in the Bills and the Chiefs. So, you know, tough to say, tough to say. Colts have the best win amongst the two teams. So I will say ugh, Titans still. All right, moving on. Rids picks. Rid says Colts. Yes, moving on. Where are we going? Uh, Bears at Giants. Bears, Gigantes. Uh, a tough game, too. Giants are favored by three at home. The Bears just play a weird style of football. Super weird, but you know both of these teams are two and one, so it actually is a big game uh, in the NFC at this stage. You know, I don't know if any of these teams is going to be around here to argue their position at the the head of the class for the NFC come season's end because neither of them actually looks particularly good to be honest but you know the Giants beat Tennessee they beat Carolina and then they just lost to Dallas on Monday night and then the Bears beat San Francisco in the ugly monsoon game they get stomped by Green Bay and then they beat a bad Houston team so it's like these teams have beaten the teams mostly that they're supposed to beat the best win I would say is the Titans uh, New York winning that game on the road and then they were competitive with Dallas but what I don't like to see is the Giants injury report it's really bad they are excuse me uh, they are missing Wandale Robinson Kadarius Tony, Sterling Shepard uh, went to IR with the knee injury Leonard Williams is out uh, Nick McLeod and Cordell Flott are both out in terms of depth at corner, which, you know, it's not their starters, but they're missing a couple backup linemen as well. So another injury there makes that a problem. It's really their offense that they're going into this with Richie James as their number one receiver. And he's good, but Wandale Robinson's out. So it's going to be James, Kenny Galladay, who's never really clicked in this offense. Uh, and David Sills and Darius Slayton, and that's all they have at receiver. So they're going to have to win this game with playing defense and with Saquon Barkley uh, finding a way to have a dominant game here. But the Bears, like, aren't that bad where they're just going to bend over and let Saquon win the game like that. The Bears aren't that good either from what I've seen, but... They keep themselves in games. David Montgomery's out, but Khalil Herbert has been pretty good in his stead. The kid, Vilas Jones, that I traded for in one of my dynasty leagues, we had a, a swap where I got rid of Galladay and picked up Jones, but I got some draft capital out of it. Jones hasn't even played yet. He's questionable. Nikhil Harry's on IR. Uh, and then Quinn is questionable on defense. Matthew Adams, doubtful, and Jalen Johnson out. I see this being a fairly close game. Uh, two teams that want to run the football. Two teams that have mobile quarterbacks that can pick up some first downs. Uh, two teams that offenses are not going to be particularly scary in this matchup. I don't know. The Giants are so banged up. I, it's tough to say. I mean, I guess I'll take the Giants at home. 
Justin Fields has only thrown 45 passes on the year. He's got four interceptions in three games. I, I'm going to bet against the offensive philosophy of the Bears more than anything. I think the Giants have more tricks up their sleeve in terms of how to run their offense, where it's like the Bears are going to run the ball, and if running the ball doesn't work, they're screwed. So, I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. It's going to be... I don't know. I honestly am at a loss of words with most of these games after how crazy last week was. Good point. I'll, I'll point out one thing, though. So, Saquon Barkley, who started and has been good for uh, the Giants all season, he's got 53 carries for 317 and two touchdowns. Herbert, who's been the backup and really only came in with the Montgomery injury in the last game as the number one guy, he's got 240 yards and three touchdowns on 33 carries. So, he's touching the ball less. His yards per carry looks like it's significantly better. Uh, he's got more touchdowns than Saquon, too. So, there's some reason there to think that the Bears can run the ball successfully. Uh, and if you look at the Giants, they're giving up 138 rushing yards a game, but the Bears are giving up 157 rushing yards a game. And this game is going to be crazy and weird. It's got to be high scoring. I know that neither of these teams really score that much, but looking at, like, they both like to run the ball. They both get ran all over. These teams are going to score. I'll take the over because it's going to be low at 39. I guess I'll take the Giants at home and the over on that one. Eh, not really happy about that, but what am I What am I going to do? Rids picks. Little Bear picks the Bears. All right, what's next? Um, Jags at Eagles. The Jags at the Eagles. Can the Jags pull the upset? I like the upstart Jags. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is coming off the best game of his career against the Chargers. But Jalen Hurts and the Eags are playing just really good, efficient football. It's hard to pick against the Eagles. I know it's like, okay, the Jags do a lot of things well. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it happens. But the Jags, because of the shutout, they're only giving up 12 points a game on average. I mean, it's small sample size. They both score about 28 Eagles put up about 70 more yards a game, and their defenses are comparable, but the Jags are shutting down the run, so that's part of the Eagles' identity, and if they can stuff the run, they'll have a chance to make this interesting. I think I will take Jacksonville for sure to cover 6.5. I think that's too much, uh, and I think it's just too much of an unknown with the Jags. To It's it's tough to tell like who they really are. They do run the ball well. They're starting to be able to throw the ball well. Like, Trevor Lawrence is coming along. They're mostly pretty healthy. I mean, yeah, Zay Jones is a little dinged up, but, you know, whatever. Uh, and this is a team that, like, I've always watched the Jaguars for some reason. I don't know why. Because I like I like underdogs and perennial underdogs like the Jags. You know, the part of me that likes team building and... Uh, the complications of like managing a franchise and that stuff that's the part of me that likes the jags because it is hard to do but i mean the eagles are healthy they're unbeaten for a reason i say the eagles win this game but the jags are going to give them an interesting kind of fight and if the jags beat them that would be really really interesting because then where are the jaguars in terms of overall teams in the nfl i mean you would beat one you would beat the only remaining undefeated team at that point you would advance to three and one, so you would be on top of the AFC at that point as well. 
I mean, it, like, if they win, are the Jags the best team in football? I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say they're definitely a different team this year. They are. Uh, and, of course, like, we've both had people on uh, the Jags. Like, I mean, I was a huge Chark fan. I still am. But I really loved him on Jacksonville. Like, you've had Robinson a couple times in fantasy. So we've always had, like, a vested interest in watching the Jags succeed. And uh, I we had talked earlier in the season about whether or not Trevor Lawrence was going to be the, the best uh, quarterback in this division. Because this is something I talked to my friend Jeff about. And he said he's easily going to be the best quarterback in the division. If he plays like he did last week, he will be. Up until that week, he really didn't look like the best, um, but he's showing signs of it. And if they can play defense and run the ball, it's going to make things so much easier on him. And that's something that bringing in the new coach and Doug Peterson has done wonders for them. Uh, I still think the Eagles are the better, more robust, more deep team with the better defense. So I'll probably take the Eags still, but I like the Jags to cover that one. Anything else? Rids picks. Rids has taken the Jags in the upset. Okay, so what's next then? We're about to run out of music. Jets at Steelers. Jets at the Steelers. So we've got one and two Jets. Maybe Zach Wilson is coming back for this game. Steelers at one and two as well. Neither of these teams are good. Uh, the Steelers, I have to lean towards them because of Mike Tomlin and they're just the standards of their franchise they you know they lost to cleveland they lost to new england they beat cincinnati so if you look at common opponents the jets actually beat cleveland and they lost to cincinnati so they've actually played two of the same teams with opposite results in those games the steelers defense is still better than the jets even without watt and i've seen watt training so i don't know i don't think he's coming back with the peck tear this early but the only person listed, he's on IR, so he's out for like a month, I think. But uh, Akella Witherspoon is the only person listed out for the Steelers. And George Fant just went to injured reserve for the Jets. So their offensive line took a hit. Plus, the if they're really switching quarterbacks at this point and Zach Wilson's going to come in, it's going to definitely change the identity of what they were doing on offense. And it looks like that is the case. The Jets are mostly healthy, though. Quincy Williams is out. Um, and their fullback went to IR. But, they, you know, they got Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson. They have a good passing attack with Conklin, but I just don't know if they're going to throw the ball 50 times now or they're going to try and run, which they haven't been able to do. And uh, this is a game that the Steelers could and should win. Whether or not they do remains to be seen but they're not going to get a better opportunity to beat a team that they're supposed to beat early in the season and get back to 500 than, than this. Mitch Trubisky has not been great, but he's not been horrible either. It's just their offense is a little stagnant in their ability to get separation. So they're stuck, but of any of the teams that they should be able to do something against, they, the Jets give up 105 yards a game on the ground. Steelers give up more at 142, which is super disconcerting. But this is an opportunity where Najee Harris could maybe establish himself finally this season. Uh, and the Steelers, they don't even average 200 passing yards a game. So it's going to be weird. 
they still average more points than the Jets, and they give up fewer points. I just, I have to side with Mike Tomlin and the Steelers at home in this one. Be interesting to see if the Jets win, though. You? Yeah, I would have to agree. All right. Rids picks. Rid says Steelers. Okay, so what game is next, then? Bills at Ravens. <sighs> Bills, Ravens. Yeah. Gonna miss this game live. Not all of it. Well, we'll watch the first half in the morning and then uh, hit the road. But it's a game where I, I will eventually uh, come home and watch the recording because I have to. And because I want to. But yeah, you I got... Huh? I want to also. Okay. Um, anyway, it's a game where Baltimore is favored here. Uh... They're favored by ESPN, but they're actually three-point underdogs at home. I was going to say, that's surprising to me, though. Yeah. I think it's just, you know, the injury report for the Bills is still a little murky. So, with Gabe Davis questionable, Kumaro's out, uh, Knox is also questionable, Tommy Doyle went to IR, Bodger's out, Mitch Morris questionable. So at least it looks like the starting offensive line should be playing. Looks like Bates is out of concussion protocol. He's got no questionable designation. Ed Oliver is questionable. Jordan Phillips is still out. Dane Jackson questionable. Poyer is questionable. Benford's out. But they still have Taron Johnson, who looks like he's going to be playing. Nah, they can't put him at number two. But it looks like they might. I don't know. Their defense is so banged up, I can understand why uh, Baltimore has a a good chance here. But the Baltimore defense uh, has gotten gouged all season long. I mean, they got 40-something points hung on them. Uh, But Jason Pierre-Paul looks like he's going to be starting for them this weekend. No, not starting, but playing. So they're getting a good additional pass rusher. Justin Houston's doubtful. David Ajabo's out. So they're missing an important piece at linebacker. Ronnie Staley's questionable. It's going to be a good game. These teams haven't played since the 2020 playoffs when there was nobody allowed. Was the 19th season, I think? I don't know. It was two years ago. But they haven't met since that game. These these fan bases actually like have respect and some like dignity between them so that's kind of nice actually for a change especially after the Miami week but both of these teams are averaging 30 plus a game the Ravens are giving up 25.7 a game and that's still more than the Bills gave up last week with half their defense missing the Bills are putting up a lot more yards almost not quite 100 but like 70 more yards a game Ravens still run the ball well, and the Bills' yards allowed are significantly less, and they've done a good job against Lamar in recent years, so their defensive scheme actually is pretty good against the Ravens, so I see why they're favored here, but again, this is a game where the Bills are dealing with a lot of injuries, uh, and, you know, just, I want to see those guys get healthy more than I want to see the Bills win an early season game. I'll probably still go with the Bills here because, you know, I don't know if I can pick against them all season long. I mean, I I figured the game against Miami was going to be one of the games where I probably could pick against them and be right, but I didn't want to be right in that game. I just saw the injuries piling up, and I, I actually said, like, even with all these injuries, I think the Bills have enough 
to win the game and I have confidence that Josh Allen will put them in a position to win the game and all of those things happened they just didn't convert so I think when you have Josh Allen on your team it's easy to believe that you always have a chance and so I'm still going to pick the Bills of course go Bills go Bills what about you you're picking the Bills yeah alright then Rids picks Rids is taking the bills. Good girl. Okay, what's the next game? Chargers at Texans. Well, if there was a game that the Chargers could win to get back on track, this is going to be the one. Better be. You're right. <laughs> the, te- <laughs> the Texans are 0-2-1. They're, they're competitive, I guess, but, I mean, Farrell Bounds questionable. Uh, Brevin Jordan's out, so it's likely O.J. Howard time. Uh, John Mechie's out. And just, I don't know, I haven't seen anything from them that leads me to believe that they're good yet. They're not bad. I mean, their record says it all, but with the Chargers, it's more like Keenan Allen is out. Uh, Jalen Guyton went to IR. Uh, Parham is questionable. Corey Lindsley's questionable. But if he plays, that helps. The biggest loss is Joey Bosa going to IR. But now it's time for Khalil Mack to show the Chargers like why they paid to get him in the first place but uh, Asante Samuel and JC Jackson are both in Derwin James you know this is a game that the Chargers they have to win basically Um, I think in reality they are the better team Uh, Rashawn Slater also went to IR along their offensive line so that's not great but you know they're favored by five and a half on the road over under of 45 they the problem is they got pounded by Jacksonville last week and I think they're just like confused like they didn't really expect that to happen and you don't really know what's going to go on with Herbert like how bad is his injury but at this point it should be on the way like he should be trending towards getting better not that he's going to be fully healed at any point soon but you know the injury was two weeks ago at this point so you would think he's going to start feeling better here soon they score more points, they put up more yards, they give up fewer yards. They're the better team. They just have to figure out how to be that better team. They're two and one against the spread, over under a 45. Five and a half points is a lot, but I think they could do that against the Texans. We'll see, but I'll take the Chargers. Hello, are you gonna take the Chargers? Oh yeah. All right, Chargers all the way. Chargers, yeah. I mean, I can't pick Texans. Yeah, they'll, they'll <laughs> win some games here and there, but I don't think this is going to be the one. Yeah. Rids picks. Rids says Chargers. Okay, where did we leave off? Cardinals and Panthers? Yeah, we finished Chargers and Texans. Yeah, this is a game where I don't believe in the Panthers, even though they won. Just... They're favored by one at home. I know the Cardinals didn't look great against the Rams, but that's a division game where they always struggle against the Rams. You know, so it's not completely surprising. Most dynamic player on the field is going to be Kyler Murray in this game, and it's more A.J. Green is out, which isn't great. Marquise Brown's questionable. Rondale Moore is questionable. D-Hop's still suspended. Uh, Richard Lawrence, nose tackle's out. J.J. Watt and Zayvon Collins, both questionable. We still got Connor. You still got Kyler. 
he's still, it's Dorch time. Uh, Greg Dorch season. Andy Isabella, Zach Ertz. So probably, and they got Mac Williams too. So maybe double down on some tight ends and play that way. Carolina, on the other hand, is mostly healthy aside from Christian McCaffrey being questionable. This is an opportunity for Carolina to get a win here against a pretty banged up Arizona team. I see why they are favored. They run the ball better. Uh, Baker has not played great, but, you know, he's got three touchdowns and a pick on the season, so he's not been, like, awful either. My gut says Arizona, but I'm kind of tempted to take the Panthers here because they both average the same per game. And the Panthers are giving up the 10 points less per game. They're putting up 80 yards less of offense, but their defenses are comparable in terms of surrendered points. They played in close games against Cleveland, who's 2-1, and one, and the Giants, who are 2-1, and one, and they beat New Orleans. Whereas, you know, the Cardinals got smashed, then they beat an 0-3 Raiders team. So they've lost to a good team. Both of these teams have lost to teams with winning records and beaten a team that has a losing record now. This is a tough one at minus a point favorites. I think I don't want to pick Carolina, but I think I might have to. You? I mean, I initially was kind of thinking Carolina because I just felt like I should go against what the favorites are after last week, but that doesn't always work in my favor, so I might make last-minute changes tomorrow morning. Yeah, fair enough. Um... The fact that they're favored only by one, even given all those circumstances, I guess, says a lot about what betters think Kyler Murray is capable of doing in this matchup. And, no, rightfully so. Okay. Rids picks. Rids is taking the Panthers to keep it rolling. Moving on, what's next? Patriots at Packers. Packers favored by nine and a half at home. Mac Jones is out. Brian Hoyer's in. Over under a 40 in this game. There's no reason to think the Packers lose this game. I mean, Jair Alexander is questionable, but it's not the end of the world. It just Yeah, with with Hoyer stepping in, like, that's... And a, in Green Bay. Yeah. That's a, that's a tall ask for Brian Hoyer. <laughs> He's not a bad quarterback, and he almost was like a full-time starter after having a good season and then just never really transitioned that. But Jacoby Myers is out, too, who's their basically their best receiver. Um, so that'll be Kendrick Bourne time. Got Lawrence Guys out. Jalen Mills questionable. Kyle Duggar's questionable. Got a lot of guys banged up on this New England team. And just with losing Mac Jones... It doesn't give me faith that they're going to win this game. And I could see them definitely losing by 10 against Green Bay, who is going to go after them with that dual running back combination. Uh, The Packers are only scoring 16 a game, so they're actually getting outscored by New England, but they're giving up 8 points less. Total offense is the same. Total defense is about the same. So for me, it comes down to uh, experience, home field advantage, and trust and i mean the packers are minus 480 on this game for a reason over under of 40 they're easily the biggest favorites of the week at nine and a half points if they were to lose this game that would just 
Yeah, I would laugh too, but it would cement <laughs> the position of Green Bay as not being one of the favorites to really like be the go-to team in the NFC. I just feel that they handle business here. They have to. Like, Part of being a good team is winning the games you're supposed to win. I know losing Sammy Watkins definitely is a blow for their offense, but you know they got Lazard back. Uh, Dobbs played a good game. Cobb played a good game. So now it's just, you know, the rookie, the younger guys in Amari Rogers and Christian Watson uh, filling in behind. Well, I mean, even Dubs is a rookie, but it's really going to be Lazard and Cobb and the two running backs. So I think that's enough to get them over the hump and probably win by 10 in a game where New England, New England already was struggling to score with Mac Jones. So you take away their starting quarterback and I don't think their ability to score improves right yeah i mean i don't like i don't like to pick and favor the packers but there's no other choice i think in this one yeah it's the right time to favor the packers by 10 Rids picks packers okay what's next um broncos at raiders Ugh, what an ugly game this is i mean this is where I have to really question whether or not I can play Russell Wilson in fantasy because he's been so abysmal so far. Like, they're 2-1. and one. He finally showed some flashes of being Russell Wilson late in the last game. But it's a game that they won 11-10. to 10. You know, so that's not a game where I'm like, oh, man, he looked good. Uh, they're only averaging 14 points a game. Their defense giving up 12 is what's kept them in games. Uh, so the Raiders score more, but they give up two touchdowns more basically um but offensively they're very much comparable it's the defense so the denver defense is giving up less than 200 passing yards and less than 100 rushing yards and the raiders defense is giving up 250 plus and 100 plus so the raiders it's just the raiders season is on the line right now they're 0 three if they lose this that's a wrap they're not making the playoffs um so they have to and they i mean they should rightfully probably fire their coach if they lose this game and start 0-4 and what's funny is josh mcdaniel used to coach the broncos and i remember listening to a story about one of his players saying that you know the broncos had gotten out to um like a 5-0 start or something and then they you know shit the bed the rest of the way and found out that uh josh mcdaniel had been cheating because he comes from the Belichick school of coaching. So they had been doing some illegal things. And it was funny just listening to the player saying like, man, I knew we weren't that good. So now we're seeing Josh McDaniels 0-3 with the Raiders team that was a playoff team last year. So someone's got to answer for that. And if you're the Raiders, like you didn't bring this guy in here to, to shit the bed and miss the playoffs. And they have the weapons to be winning, which is even scarier to think about what is really going on with that coaching that they're not yeah i mean technically their defense got better in the offseason and while their defense wasn't elite last year it definitely was good enough to give them some chances and keep them in games and i feel like their defense is much worse uh their offense is worse i mean yeah they score 21 a game but you know when you're giving up 25 a game that's not good and you look at their yards allowed, they're giving up almost 400 yards, almost 300 passing and over 100 rushing. So they're getting beat on both fronts. They lost a close one of the Chargers. They blew the lead 
in Arizona or at home against Arizona, and then they were losing the whole way against Tennessee and almost came back and tied it. So it's not that they haven't been competitive. It's like they haven't found a way to be themselves yet, and that's concerning. But considering this game is just all in for them and the Broncos are lucky if they score 14 points, the Raiders should accidentally still be able to win this game, even if they're like, oh, crap, we only scored 17. It should be good enough. Um, so I think I have to go with the Raiders. But the Broncos' defense has been good, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos actually beat them and dropped the Raiders to 0-4. Um, I'm just going to peek at the injury report because I saw a lot. Oh, wait. Uh, two, the right guard and right tackle are both out for Denver and their left guard is questionable so hey Raiders defense if you guys are paying attention that's where you're gonna have to go line up right over that right guard and right tackle and just pressure the crap out of Russell Wilson for some left all right gotta go Raiders there Rids picks Rids is taking the Raiders what's next Chiefs at Bucks Super Bowl rematch from a couple of years ago these teams have not played each other since that game and it's a weird one to look at here because the Bucks haven't been playing offense the way that they normally do they have been running the ball well they're a much more effective rushing team than uh, the Chiefs Julio Jones is still questionable Russell Gage is questionable Akeem Hicks is out in the middle, and that's not great for them, but, you know, even after giving up 14 early in the Green Bay game last week, they completely put the clamps on and shut Green Bay down the whole rest of the way after forcing a fumble at the goal line. Perriman's doubtful. So the Bucks are, again, just in this position of who's going to actually be playing offense for them. Godwin questionable, Julio questionable, Donovan Smith questionable at left tackle. Uh, Paramount doubtful gauge is questionable so really the only guy they got back is Mike Evans so it's Brady Fournette Evans and then maybe Scotty Miller and Cameron Brait and the defense is okay except for Hicks being out so it's just in a game against the Chiefs where you figure you're probably going to have to score some points in order to win it's tough to look at their offense and figure out those spots where the points are going to come from I mean Mike Evans is fine um He's not injured. He just got suspended, so he'll be okay. But if you're looking at, like, the Buccaneers are only scoring 17 points a game. The Chiefs are scoring about 30. The difference is the Bucks only give up 9, <laughs> and the Chiefs give up 22. So both of those numbers are going to probably move towards each other. And the yards allowed, the Bucks' defense has definitely been better, and the Chiefs' offense has been better. But the Chiefs' offense hasn't been that much better. You know, Brady... In Tampa, they obviously figured out how they wanted to beat Mahomes when they played them last time. Take Tyreek Hill out of this game and replace him with Smith-Schuster. They don't have the same ability to stretch the defense. And, like, the last time these teams played, it wasn't competitive. It's basically the same Bucks defense. Their pass rush is not as good as it was then, but uh, they still have really, really fast linebackers and really handsy defenders so this is an even money game both teams are minus 110 over under a 45 and a half i will take the under it's sunday night football. it's going to be a uh, an interesting defensive game because the bucks defense is very good 
and they're healthy, which they weren't last year. And I think you can see the difference between what their defense looks like healthy and what it looks like when they're banged up. So what they did in the Super Bowl was they forced them to throw to Kelsey and then they just like beat the crap out of Kelsey. Like they hit him hard every time. And so by the time, you know, halftime rolls around, Kelsey's exhausted. And if they do that in this game, which seems to be, you know, where he's going to go with the ball, Schuster has not been a factor really for their offense at all at this point. It's more been Edwards Hilaire as a receiver, as the number two receiver. So uh, I've got to favor the Bucks. And, you know, it helps me if the Bucks win because uh, the Chiefs are an AFC opponent for the Bills. So I'll go with the Bucks. They almost came back and beat Green Bay, even a game they had no business really being competitive in. So. And is it still officially in Tampa, or do they end up having to move it? They're playing in Tampa. <clears throat> so hopefully that hurricane doesn't come back, but they're playing there. Rids picks. Rids is taking the Bucks. All right, what's next? Um, what's last? Rams at 49ers. That's a, that's a game, all right. Rematch of the NFC Championship game from last year. These teams know each other, don't like each other, always play close football games, regardless of who's involved. These coaches know each other pretty well, too. So it's just interesting to see the Niners favor by a point and a half, considering what we just saw from them in the last game. Like the Rams are coming off a, you know, mostly dominating victory over Arizona. And the Niners are coming off a game where they scored 10 points. And they're favored to win by a point and a half just because of the history of these teams. They're actually averaging slightly more yardage per game because of their rushing, but they're not even throwing for 200 a game. Their yards allowed per game is significantly better than the Rams, so their defense has been much better. And we saw that, too, against Denver. Their ability to, you know, shut down opposing offenses gives them a chance. They didn't give up an offensive point against Seattle in Week 2. And they, you know, other than the last play or the last drive for Denver, Denver wasn't really doing anything in that game either. I think they even got a f- two points off of a safety. So that game was uh, 10 to 5 at one point. And then they finally scored a touchdown late in the game. So the Niners' defense is very good. This is a, yeah, I just, their offense looks so bad. They, they know how to play against the Rams, though. So now I have to look at the injury report, and I'll give my final thoughts based on that. Let's see. The Rams have David Edwards, questionable. Brian Allen, questionable. David Long Jr., questionable. Mostly looks like they're going to be healthy, though. The 49ers, they got Javon Kinlon, Eric Armstead, both questionable. Uh, Jimmy Ward and Jason Barrett are still both out. No changes there. So it's really like, is Jimmy G able to lead this offense and score enough points to win this game at this point? And, you know, he threw a bad interception in the last game. So that's not really promising. They they went through his offseason work where it was basically he's just rehabbing his shoulder the whole season. So I don't even know if his arm is really like where it needs to be, but it's good enough and they don't have a choice. So that's uh, that's what they're looking at. So I expect a lot of Debo Samuel, obviously. Um, they're going to pound the ball with Jeff Wilson as much as they can. 
it's surprising to see Ayuk as their leading receiver because that's a little disappointing for Debo, but, you know, it is what I, I have to go with the Rams here. I mean, it's Monday Night Football. It's definitely going to be competitive. Yeah, it's going to be definitely uh, a fight because that's what these teams do. But I'll take the under at 42 and a half because I don't think either teams are going to score that much. Even if you load up their averages combined, they're not even going to get within the touchdown of that. So, But 75 degrees, Monday night, Santa Clara. <sighs> I know, it's just like history, right? Like, I think they beat the Rams. They beat them late in the season last year and then lost to them in the playoffs in L.A. So it's like the Seahawks games. Like, they're always close. Uh, but, I mean, you saw what happened with the Seahawks this year. They got smashed by the Niners. Yeah. So, when one team is not good, and I, I wouldn't even say the Niners are not good. They're just, they they got to figure out, again, like, who they are. So, I think I'll take the Rams to win and pull the the most modest of upsets at minus a point and a half, or plus a point and a half. Fair enough. Rids picks. For her uncle and her grandpa, Rid says Niners. Anything else? Nope. All right. Well, that's it then. Happy Football Sunday. There it is. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Take care. Thank you to everyone who took the time to listen to the episode. I still believe that word of mouth is the best way to help, so if you enjoyed it, please tell somebody. But liking, subscribing, and sharing go a long way, too. This show is an extension of thescheiss.com, and you can contact me at info at or at Scheiss Podcast on Twitter. And until next time, be well, stay safe, and go Bills.